Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the gospel according to Matthew. Jesus is Lord. Now that's one thing that the New Testament makes clear on like every single page. When you hear that you need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I wonder what kind of a reaction you give. Do you grit your teeth and curl your toes? Does it sound like nails on a chalkboard? Does it sound harsh? Like, well, it's, it's probably the right thing to do. Who could, what kind of a Christian would disagree with that? But it's something that sounds unbearable. Or when you hear the call to submit to the Lordship of Christ, does a wave of calm wash over you? Now, when we think about those alternatives, of course, I think most of us want it to be the latter. But should we think like that? Dare we think like that? Uh, this is a major topic in our text for today. We'll be in chapter 12, uh, looking at verses 1 through uh, 21. Uh, before I read the text, though, let me just briefly situate us as far as where we are in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Jesus has been presented to us as the authoritative Messiah, both in word and deed, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount and the collection of miracle stories in 8 and 9. Um, now, mention has been made of the corruption of the religious establishment. They haven't been presented positively, uh, but really the focus has not been much on their hostile response. And in chapter 10, Jesus has sent out the 12 as replacement leaders and predicts that things aren't going to go well and people won't respond to them positively. In chapter 11, we talked about the great opportunity that is coming or that was there in front of them, uh, but instead was missed. And again, more emphasis then was placed on judgment uh, because people are missing that opportunity. In, in chapter 12, uh, the spotlight shines on Jesus's interaction uh, with the religious leaders and their firm, adamant rejection of him. Uh, so the main idea here is the rejection by the nation's religious leaders and its attending consequences, uh, contrasting the yoke of Jesus versus the yoke of the Pharisees. Uh, the first two stories will illustrate this uh, talking about uh, the Sabbath. It may, it may be helpful to think about who the Pharisees are. These are people who believe in purity and being separate from sin. That's what their name literally means. Uh, their practice was often to build a fence around the Torah. That is, uh, keeping the Torah is so important that let's make an extra set of rules uh, to keep yourself from even inadvertently breaking one of God's real rules. A lot of things that were extra in comparison to uh, God's laid down law. Now, not all Jews believed in what the Pharisees had to teach, but uh, they were kind of the self-proclaimed Bible teachers of the nation who traveled around from city to city. Uh, Jesus here will bump heads with them. The Torah was often viewed as a yoke. That's how the rabbis thought of it. 
They had their own interpretation of what it looked like to really follow God and obey his law. And as will become clear here in Matthew 12, and we've already seen from earlier, Jesus has his own version. And uh, spoiler alert, Jesus' version is the right version. So let's see how these themes are played out here in Matthew 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Let's uh, go back and look at this passage. Uh, The bit of text that I've just read easily falls into three main sections. Uh, There's the bit about the grain fields, and then the withered hand, and then this long citation uh, coming from Isaiah chapter 42. Now, it's important to uh, connect all of this to what we just read earlier about Jesus calling the weak and the weary, the downtrodden, to come to him, and he will give them wisdom. He will put his yoke on them, and they will find that it doesn't chafe their neck or it's not too heavy, that it's actually very bearable. And this stands in contrast to the yoke, uh, the Torah yoke, of uh, particularly the Pharisees. Uh, The disciples in the first unit are going through the grain fields, and they are using their hands to simply pluck heads of grain and to eat. As the disciples go through and they, they are hungry. Now, they're not famished. They're not about to die, but they're hungry. And so then they do just a small little bit of work. And the Pharisees say that this counts as breaking the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting to me is how Jesus responds. He doesn't say in so many words, give me a break. That doesn't really count as 
work. It's just a small little thing. And instead, what he does is, is cite from the Old Testament, and he makes the shocking claim that actually, don't you know uh, that sometimes it's okay to break God's law? And then he quotes some incredible uh, illustrations of people who broke God's law. Uh, now, the, the idea uh, will become clear in the next unit about the man with a withered hand. Well, he will say, clearly, there are some times where two laws will conflict. The law to do good and help someone versus keeping the Sabbath. And the law of love and mercy will trump uh, the, the law of keeping the Sabbath. But that's not exactly what he does here. Uh, all of this is lined up in a certain way. Uh, so that way, his argument only makes sense if you understand the authority that Jesus has. Again, instead of arguing or quibbling about the details of what's called halakha, the, the, the Jewish way of interpreting the law, the whole premise rests on him being the Son of Man who is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's probably the key to unlock the use of David here. David was somebody important. He was somebody special, and he was on a mission on a mission in special circumstances. And uh, running, he was running away from Saul to save his life. And so if in those circumstances uh, he was allowed to break the law, how much more is the son of David, the Messiah himself, allowed to uh, interpret the law in such a way as to provide compassion for those who are hungry and who are in need? Uh, again, this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. And we just learned last time that uh, those who are in the kingdom of God are greater than all those, even righteous people and prophets, who came before them. In the second unit, we have uh, another exploration as to how Jesus' interpretation of the law is far better and far easier, far more tolerable and life-giving uh, than the interpretations of those who are around him. Now, interestingly here, uh, the Mishnah, that same document that describes Jewish tradition, allowed for this sort of activity. It, it particularly talks about what happens when a woman gives birth on the Sabbath. Well, you need to take care of the baby, you need to cut the umbilical cord, uh, things like that. Um, but this is only for life-threatening incidents. And what's interesting here in the second unit is there's a man who comes with a withered hand. Now, a withered hand is a problem. Um, it's crippling, but he presumably has had this problem for a long time. It's not a life-threatening situation. He doesn't need to have his hand healed on Saturday. He could have got it healed on a Monday or a Tuesday or something like that um, without much fanfare. But instead, Jesus takes this opportunity because he wants people to understand the weakness of the Pharisees' interpretation of the law and the superiority of what he stands for and what he has come to bring in. Now, let me just point out that it's not that uh, Jesus is against the Sabbath and just throwing that away. Instead, it's that he is the authoritative interpreter of the law uh, and here as an illustration of the Sabbath. He is the one who can correctly interpret it. And, and the way that he decides to make his decisions when it comes to complicated examples is all around the important virtue of mercy. Love is the thing that must win the, win the day, according to the Lord Jesus. And so when there's a dispute, the thing that is of most concern to him is what is the kind, gracious, merciful response? He is the one who is meek and lowly of heart, 
and he is concerned that his yoke is easy for others to bear. Now, this sets us up for understanding Isaiah 42. This is a really long citation. In fact, it's the longest citation of the Old Testament in all of the Gospel of Matthew. It connects with really important themes, like with the baptism, his uh, spirit being on Jesus. Jesus is the one who, with whom God is well pleased. In fact, even our word English, our English word uh, servant in, in the Greek text uh, it can also mean son. So we have my beloved son. There's also the anticipation of Gentile inclusion. He will bring justice to the Gentiles and so on. But we might wonder, why is this long citation put precisely here? Well, let me suggest a few reasons. First, we're in the context of healing people, but not, but Jesus does not want publicity. Uh, in that sense, he's not crying out. Now, literally, he does talk in the streets. That's not a problem. But this is not his character. He's not the kind of person who enjoys going around poking the Pharisees in the eye just to get them mad and watch what happens. Uh, he's not a cantankerous individual, but he's doing this for a purpose. The citation of Isaiah 42 also goes back to this theme of Jesus being meek and lowly that we had from earlier, and it stresses his compassion. He's not the kind of person who will uh, quench a smoldering flax or break a uh, bruised reed. He sees people like the one with a withered hand, his, a bruised reed, and he won't give up on people like that. He has compassion on the disciples in their hunger. He sees people who are suffering, and it moves him to compassion. Aren't you glad that the true master, the Lord of the Sabbath, doesn't push his weight around? Aren't you glad that uh, he associates with the lowly and he doesn't give up on people? When it comes to the Christian life, it's easy to fall into a trap of legalism, an uncaring, inflexible set of rules. Now, it's not that we want to downplay obedience, but our obedience is ultimately to a person. And it's a caring, loving person who is interested in your well-being, like a shepherd gently caring for a sheep in a ditch. So do you view Jesus, your master and Lord, this way? Or do you view him as a taskmaster, always whipping you for more, more, more service? Listen carefully to this text again. A bruised reed he will not break. Or from last time, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. He's not a taskmaster. He loves you and you can trust him as you faithfully serve him. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.